This is a Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Meredith Whitlow. You know, I also, when I walk into the buildings, like I have a, a general, like I have a set schedule. I know that I'm going to do a group or I know I'm going to see an individual or whatever, but you have to be flexible, especially in nursing homes. Like it's their home, but there's also like variables that you can't control. Like for example, a fire alarm test (laughs) or the EMS was called because somebody needs to go out to the hospital. Um, And those things matter because like, for example, if the EMS comes, they need the entire hallway or you can't go this, you can't use this room or there's just upset. Be flexible. Be flexible. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter, all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today, and you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. This is your host, Trisha. Welcome here if you're new. Uh, And again, welcome back if you've been around these parts before. Today's conversation with Meredith is such an informative one. She shares so many tangible advocacy tips and tricks and advice and like snippets little audio snippets of things to say and ways to phrase what you're saying and places to do advocacy and the importance of advocacy with you know all the people we interact with on a day-to-day basis um and so i think this conversation is going to be very informative uh informational and like i said tangible for all of you listening so thank you for taking the time to be here today to be with us on the music therapy chronicles i hope you get a lot out of this episode if you are enjoying the show please consider leaving us a review so that more people can find can find us can find the show can get this information um And if you feel so inclined, take a screenshot and share it on social media and you can tag us at Music Therapy Chronicles. I would love to see what episodes you're listening to and how they are hopefully positively impacting you. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Meredith.
All right, Meredith, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Thank you for making the time to come on and talk with me today and to share with the listeners. Sure. So to start us off, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and it can be music therapy related or not? Okay, well, I'll start with music therapy since that's our topic. I am a board certified music therapist. Um, I'm almost finished with my master's. I have one class left for this summer. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. I'm excited. I have a private practice uh, based in North Carolina called Rejoice Music Therapy. Um, I'm currently trying to expand into other cities, so I'm really excited about that. Um, My focus for the people that I serve is uh, geriatrics, older adults, dementia, um, like a long-term skilled nursing facilities or communities, um, hospital, medical, adult medical populations. So that's an end of life also. That's my main focus. So when I expand, that'll be the continued focus. Um, and then I don't know what else you want me to say. Well, anything you want to share? I always say that whatever you have to say is what the listeners need to hear. So anything that comes up. You know, some one thing that maybe sometimes people say is a little bit interesting is how I didn't start out as a music therapist. I've always been a musician, always, always. I've been singing, I've been musical since I was teeny tiny. But um, after high school, a very long time ago, I went to um, UNC Greensboro and majored in vocal performance. And then after that, I sang with an opera company for a few years. I did not know that music therapy was a thing. So I ended up going back to school for music therapy 10 years after high school. Um, And then got my degree in music therapy. And then now I'm gonna be finished with my master's soon. But um, the performance background, it's interesting that I feel like that really, really impacts my approach to music therapy. Yeah. But then I spend a lot of time talking about how music therapists are not performers. So it's helpful, but it's not the it's not the title of what I am or what I do, if that makes any sense. But that's a little short little bit about how I got to where I am. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear like some of the things you think your performance background impacts specifically. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um it makes me aware of what I'm offering to the people that I serve. Like, I don't want to, um, I don't want to just check the box. Like as in, I learned this song and now we're going to use it, or I learned how to play this instrument and now we're going to use it. I want to offer quality music since it's almost always live music. Like I want it to be as authentic as possible. I don't want it to be me doing the music. I want it to be the music. So I'm going to be as close to the original as possible. And I think, in my mind, I think about that as a good performance, but I don't want the people that I serve to feel like they're getting a performance, if that makes any mm. sense. Like I want to be yeah. prepared um, and I want to be, um, you know, presenting and offering the best quality music. Anybody can turn on Spotify or the radio or whatever, um, but live music is something special. Yeah. I don't want it to be ever be a lower caliber. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to be able to bring them into that performance quality experience, Mm -hmm. because like you said, it's not a performance, you're giving that quality, but then you're including them in it. And that's not something that people get. Yeah. And another thing that the performance background helps 
for me, um, or another way it helps is like, sometimes you hear, like if you're in kind of the music therapy community, like we ask each other for advice, we say, do you have any tips on that or whatever? Well, music therapy, like to, to sing and play an instrument most of the day is pretty taxing. It can be tiring. You, and you don't, it's your, it's your, it's your human self. You're going to get tired or you might wear out or you might cause an injury. It sounds kind of maybe weird or lame, but it's true that you could cause an injury or a problem. But as a performer, like I, I learned techniques on how to, um, properly use my instrument not and i don't mean just my guitar or the keyboard or whatever but my voice like my mm -hmm. physical instrument using your your instrument and your muscles properly um will give you stamina and, and it will keep you from potential injuries potential tiredness before you should have it so i think if anybody has an opportunity to have some kind of performance background or maybe more formal training in that area. It's always a good thing for a music therapist because um, I don't know how I would do it. <laughs> Some days, you know, when there's so many clients in one day or so many groups, there's so much in one day, I think, yeah, there's no way I could have done that without good technique that I got mm -hmm. as a performer. I always think, you know, if you have good technique, you can do anything, you know. So yeah. that has been impactful to me. I didn't think about it at first, but as I'm doing it, as I'm a therapist now, I'm like, oh yeah, that really helped a lot. You totally read my mind um, because specifically vocal preservation and preventative mm -hmm. care is always a topic I am interested in discussing yeah. because um, I don't think any of us get it. And there's a yeah. little bit of a body of research in our profession to help us out, but you know, in general, like you said, you'll literally burn out your voice, if not the rest of your body. I've had back problems because I was using a guitar that was just too big for me, things like that. Um, so do you have any like very tangible <laughs> advice or tips for someone, you know, you can, I'm going to say specifically voice, but anything that comes up, obviously uh, good technique, but for someone who like, doesn't even know what that means, that's yeah, a very broad topic. But. It is very broad. Um, I guess I would think about using breath support, like Sing from your diaphragm, not your throat or your, you know, the top, the back of your mouth. Um, yeah. Also, you know, as music therapists, like we're trained to use music in the key of the person we're serving so that if they're singing along or humming along or whatever, that it's more comfortable for them. But do be aware of singing in, out of your range very mm -hmm. much. And then like I was just talking about authenticity of music, like when you're replicating something and you want it to sound as close to the original, be careful, though, about like when you change the color or the flavor of your voice that you're not like going against the grain of your voice. Like don't mm -hmm. abuse yourself just to make it sound a certain way, like work within your parameters. Everybody has limits. But I would be mindful of those things, especially. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super useful, definitely. Um, and something we just we just need more in our mm -hmm. training. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, totally. Cool. All right. So where would you like to take it from here? You had a few topics you're interested in discussing. So yeah. where's your heart well, at? I, really, I'd say my heart, after what I just said, my heart is really advocating to get music therapy into the settings where I'm currently working, which is long-term mm -hmm. skill care, hospitals, adult medical populations, there are a lot of people that live in those settings, and I feel like there are many, 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 many who don't have music therapy and haven't even heard about it, don't understand the benefits. 
Mm. Um, so that's really something that is kind of in the front of my brain every day, kind of on the tip of my tongue when somebody wants to talk to me about music therapy, I usually end up mentioning that. Yeah. So I guess we call that advocacy for music therapy in those, in those settings. Um, there's some things that I do and that other music therapists can do that are so basic and simple. And then there's other stuff that might take a little bit more effort um, and things you can do before you get into the setting and things you can do want, that you need to do once you're in. Mm. Um, I have found that just getting in the door is not always enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like when I, so I have this private practice. I didn't always have that. I was working full time for another person in a skilled um, nursing slash rehab slash ventilator unit for several years. Um, but now I have the private practice and I had to start somewhere. It's not even in the same town where I was working before. Like a lot of people don't know what it is. So I started with something that anybody can do and it's free. Go to your local healthcare forums. Like you can find healthcare forums that meet once a month and then you can find I mean, there are four or five in, in my area. So you can go every week to a different one. At these healthcare forums, you always have, the they, they kind of have a standard um, format I've found. So there's a topic, somebody's speaking, but then every person in attendance, off, often, I'll say often, they get to stand up and say who they are. And, and there's like a 30, 30 or 40 second time limit usually. You can say a lot. So you get to tell all these people who you are. And I have found that the audience in the healthcare forums is made up of doctors, nurses, CNAs, um, healthcare business owners, hospital, like I was going to say hospital administrators. That's not usually the case, but, but doctors that serve like hospitalists or um, other types of doctors that serve people in hospitals, um, other types of therapists like PT, OT, speech, um, and other agencies too that are like uh, community agencies that help people find places when they have a loved one that needs to live with assistance or skilled care. There's so many people that are in the audience. So when you stand up and say what you, who you are, even if they have no idea what it is, like you've planted a seed, take mm. your business cards. <laughs> even if you think that you don't want to, that you don't necessarily need to meet somebody new or you didn't really think that what they said would would be pertinent to you don't dismiss it like go up and say hello make eye contact offer the your card and then take theirs it's so simple and then follow up even if you don't have much to say it was so nice to meet you um you know whatever sometimes people will ask they want to meet for coffee and find out more about what you do that's free and easy to do Offer to be a speaker at the healthcare forum. They're always looking for speakers. And um, I've done that so many times. Oh my goodness. And other civic groups, it doesn't have to be the healthcare forum. I've spoken many, many times at, at everything from the Rotary Club to, to the, the healthcare forum um, and, expl and explained, you know, what music therapy is and how it applies. Um, so eventually, that will pay off. It, it, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I've found when I'm speaking to like to give the definition of music therapy is not enough. That's not a good speech. That's yeah. not a good program. Anybody can Google that and they're going to get a mixture of who knows what they're going to get the mm -hmm. truth and they're going to get somebody's homemade idea and all kinds of things in between. When you when you speak, 
Know your audience, tailor it to your audience. Like I just said, anybody can look up the definition, but if, if I'm talking to a group of doctors that serve geriatric patients, then I'm gonna talk specifically about the applications of music therapy for like the top few most common um, diagnoses that they might see in, in the population they treat. Mm -hmm. Show how, it, how it's applied and why it's good. Um, you know, I used to, I also used to shy away from singing or playing the guitar when I was doing one of those um, presentations because I don't want them to think I'm an entertainer. Yeah. But then I said one time, and I said this in the program, I did bring my guitar and I did plan to sing and play. And I said, I said just that, that I didn't want anybody here to think I was a performer. However, I'm trying to convince you all that this is needed, but you have no idea like what skill set I'm talking about. So I want to show the whole thing. I can tell you stuff, but I want to show you as well. So hmm. that just has made an impact, I've been told. Um, I, I feel like inside, like once you get inside the building, like if you do get a contract or an agreement or, some, or if you're hired or whatever, um, this is so basic and somebody might laugh. I'm not sure, but it's, it's really helpful. Um, and I'm speaking of healthcare cause that's like medical settings. That's where I mainly am. Wear scrubs. Huh. When I have worked in the past and worn regular clothes, like, and I'm stopping in the middle of my sentence, your scrubs make a statement without you saying anything that you are accepted as a medical professional. And that's one of the issues with music therapy. People don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to insult anybody who doesn't know or just hasn't had the experience. However, people just don't know that we're not entertainers. They, and I'm generalizing, this is not every person, of course. A lot of people think that music therapists are entertainers volunteers, um, hobby musicians, nice people who have some talent. And maybe some music therapists do have a, another music hobby or maybe they do something volunteer somewhere, but I do emphasize the difference between those things in music therapy. Wear your scrubs, wear your name tag and wear your scrubs. When you walk in, it is a completely different reception when you're wearing scrubs or when you're wearing some regular clothes that you bought at the department store or wherever you go. I'm telling you, it's, you will be shocked. And, um, then you save your clothes anyway, when you're in a medical setting, you never know. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's so easy to do. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. I was looking, I made some notes for myself, um, about, mm what I wanted to say about being inside. Um, you know, I also, when I walk into the buildings, like I have a, a general, like I have a set schedule. I know that I'm going to do a group or I know I'm going to see an individual or whatever, but you have to be flexible, especially in nursing homes. Like it's their home. But there's also like variables that you can't control, like, for example, a fire alarm test <laughs> or the EMS was called because somebody needs to go out to the hospital. 
Um, and those things matter because, like, for example, if the EMS comes, they need the entire hallway or you can't go this, you can't use this room or there's just upset. Be flexible, be flexible. And so, like, what I mean by that is many times, and I used to be irritated by this, but I have found that it is a good thing. Many times what you think you're going to do is nowhere near what you're actually going to do. Yeah. Like, for example, I'm in this one building that's being remodeled. And so we have this room, room A, I'm going to use room A for my groups. Okay, great. But then when I get there, oh, well, we already started on the remodel for room A. Sorry. So I'm in a, I ended up in a little alcove in the hallway with my people. I had a small group of five or six, but then the rest of the staff is more exposed to what I'm doing. Mm. Then other residents, oh, I didn't know that. And they kind of join in. Oh, I, what are they doing? And they join in. And it kind of is like a, it's just an opportunity to show off what you're doing totally. for the people. So I used to be like, oh, I feel bad. They don't care. They didn't even give me a room. No. Oh my goodness. So many people get to see and join in. And I, and I actually like it that way. It's really awesome. Um, also being flexible, like to see what your people need that day. Like you plan what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plan what you're going to do. Do have a plan, but have like a few plans. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then when you get there, you pick the one, you pick what suits them. Um, and then like follow up with people. Like I don't just go in and, and do the group or see the individuals and then leave. So like if I, if I have somebody in my, learn, learn who your team is. Okay. So your interdisciplinary team, know who your people are and what their role is. So that if something comes up in your group and you have a social work referral, go find the social worker. Say, hey, blah, 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 and tell them what the issue is, who the person was. Um, if you're in a, if you need to let the CNA know something, if you need to let the nurse know something, like make an effort to interact with them and let them see that, oh, this is, this is way more clinical than I thought. I'm not telling you to do diagnostics. We don't do diagnostics. We don't, we don't, um, change anything that's a, a medical order, never do anything like that, but communicate, mm. you know, know, know what are the things you would take to the social worker? What are the things you would take to the CNA versus the, the charge nurse? Like, how do you know? Um, those are, those are ways to kind of, um, make your presence known that you're part of the team. Mm, that yeah. you're not you're not just there for your thing only but it all goes together it all definitely goes together and i feel like i'm keeping on going do i if if you have questions or things you want to no uh, so what that's making me think of it all goes together being part of the team i had a thought it has escaped me No, keep going. Okay. Well, um, you know, when you, so I'm, when I'm talking so far about advocating for music therapy in these settings, like I'm, I've talked about the healthcare professionals, but, but the other part of that is that 
the residents like they they will let the staff know what they do and do not like or mm -hmm. what they do and do not want and when you build rapport with them you're advocating for yourself for the field of music therapy because they they speak up they let their staff know and so like like i i have some people on my i guess you would call it a caseload that i know are probably not going to come out of their room for the group but i invite them anyway and i i always just say something simple that but it's impactful like you know we'll just make up a name we'll say linda hey linda it's Mer it's meredith from um, with music therapy today we're going to have a group at 11 and she's you know she'll always say, i'm not coming and you and i say you know what this is your home you can choose to do whatever you like i just wanted to make sure you know that you're invited yeah and then within like when if i do a group when i do invite people like everybody's not on the same schedule think about it you have a couple of cnas on a hallway to attend to multiple people so you need if if somebody needs help to get dressed and somebody needs help to stand up and somebody needs help you know to find their way that's a lot going on at one time and so when i do invite people i always say we're gonna have a group at 11 in whatever room a and if you come when you get ready and i always say that like it's i say it's open for you to come at any time and if you need to leave early that's fine and then within the group i always say something like you know i'm glad you're here today and if you're here you're doing the right thing. You can choose to sing or make music, or you can choose to move or sit still, or you can just listen, whatever you like to do. If you're here, you're doing the right thing. You, you got out of your room. We can smile at each other and say hello. You can see a new face, change of scenery, and then you decide what else you would like to do other than that. And then at the end, I always say, thank you for letting me come to your home and thank you for spending some of your time with me i say mm -hmm. that every time because we are coming into their home and when they know that we know that and they feel like we respect like their space and their time it really makes a difference totally. it really does and then they report they will report back to the staff i've heard so many times from activity directors or cnas on the hall or even like the concierge or the front desk person. Like I've heard many, many pieces of feedback. Oh, when I come in the door, oh, they're waiting for you. Or, oh, they're ready. They said last time, you know, such and such and so on. It it gets back, especially, you know, even during like um, resident council meetings, with whoever leads that, like usually it's a social worker or maybe sometimes um, like resident life staff or activity staff, it will come up. Um, and you know, per resident rights, you know, if they, their requests need to be, you know, honored as, as much as possible, you know, when it's something that's, that's good for them. And um, so don't forget when you're advocating for yourself and for the field of music therapy, yes, the healthcare staff is really important, no matter who they are, whoever works there, if it's the person who puts the spoons and forks on the lunch tray, or if it's the administrator, those people are important and all of them like have a place that, that makes a difference for what you have to say about music therapy. Mm. Don't forget the residents, you know, they, they have a choice and they will speak up. They always do.
Yeah. And sometimes they will speak to the, the people setting the table because that's a face mm-hmm. they see all the time. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love that you highlighted that, um, that they will talk to people mm-hmm. and obviously we're keeping them in mind, yes. but also keeping in mind who is available for them to talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just there for a couple groups a week or a day, then they're not seeing you too much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's, and that's kind of, I think I already said that, but that's kind of part of the reason I go to the rooms, even though I know they're not coming, like they never come out. Like I still just say hello and invite them and let them know that they're invited. Um, of course, some people I see in their rooms, if they're an individual on my list, but, um, yeah, advocate, you advocate by what you do and what you don't do just as much as you advocate by what you say and don't say. Totally. Um, so another emphasis that I put out there when I'm speaking, when I'm it, or speaking formally, like at a healthcare event, or when I'm just speaking informally in the hallway to a staff person, I emphasize what music therapy is, of course, I give the definition, but I emphasize what it is not. Mm. Um, because we can't, I don't think it's safe to assume that if I say music therapy is this, this, and that, that a person we're talking to is going to also understand, oh, well, then it's not this, this, and that. Yeah, what's um, that? Because, so, like I said earlier about, I found that a lot of people believe that music therapists are entertainers or volunteers or like a hobby musician. And so when I say that, that we're not those things. I don't ever want to belittle the people who are entertainers, the people who are volunteers and the people who are hobby musicians or however other things that fall into similar categories because those people are important. Like we all want entertainment and we need it. Like people benefit from entertainment. Um, and those people have, I mean, entertainers, that's, that's not a joke. I mean, they're working hard. They have a talent. They're, they're doing something that makes a difference. Same thing with volunteers. Oh my goodness. We need them. They're extremely important. And I do respect hobby musicians. I mean, that, that can kind of go into the volunteer category sometimes too, in, if you're talking about this setting. So I always say like that those people are really important and what, and I say to people, so what I want to emphasize here is that there's a difference between the two. So I never want to say, Oh, well, we don't need those because we have me. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not true. <laughs> I just want to explain the difference. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what I do. And I start out by saying that it's a clinical healthcare profession and you know, that, that overall the goal is to regain, maintain, or improve some level of function, um, which is different from what the other, those other people offer. And I don't think that I don't think that that's kind of common sense. Like sometimes you just need somebody to say that. It's basic when you say it. It's not always, oh yeah, um, not always common sense. So I always emphasize that. Um, I think, I mean, I think it is common sense that when you want, I hope it is, that when you want to um, talk about what you're doing that you don't put anybody else down. But I just feel like there's, there's room for it to sound that way when you're comparing music therapy to other types of musicians. So yeah, just, it's just a different, different way to use the music. That's a great way to say it. It's a different way to use the music. Yeah. 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 I love that. 
Let me see, what else is on my list? Hmm. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah. But you were on such a roll. So I was well, just Well, I don't want to talk. I tend to talk a lot and I don't want to. This is your episode. (laughs) So whatever you have to say, but if you want like a prompt, let me know. Maybe. I mean, I wrote down, I got notes for myself, but of course you do. I don't, yeah, I don't want to, like I said, like I talk a lot and I, Hmm. I feel like I can say the same thing 20 different ways and I don't want people to be bored. Gotcha. So let's see here. I'm just looking at my notes. Okay. And I, what's on my mind is not even something I wrote down. But when I thought that thought that escaped me has come back, you were talking about um, taking the time to go into the residents' rooms to you know invite them, talking to staff and to um, you know caregivers or whoever like you have time to talk to. So I'm going to take a little bit of a hard turn with that in mind. Um, because you are in private practice and mm-hmm. I, I've been, I was an independent contractor for a while. And so this is a point I try and make on the show a lot that all those extra things take up a lot of your time. And so when you're creating your rates or you're drafting a contract or you're prepping for, you know, your sessions and building your schedule and all that kind of stuff, you really have to keep in mind all of those extras, how much time they take, and then what your worth is for that time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because if you're not careful about that, you spend a lot of time that's like technically like quote unquote unpaid. So you have to think about your your hourly rate or your per service, you know, fee for service rate, you have to think about it, including all that other stuff. That's mm-hmm. really important. Yeah. I think that, cause it ties into advocating as ourselves as professionals, right? Mm-hmm. We need to be able mm-hmm. to support ourselves to show up as our best selves, but also that's another example of, um, you know, volunteers and hobby musicians are really important, mm-hmm. but the services I offer are different. And so yeah. this is an example of, you know, on the business end, why they're different. Right. Yeah. I think that's something that people miss sometimes. So they don't think about it till they're in it. And uh, it's hard to climb out of that hole. Yes, it is. Yeah. So yeah. When you're talking about yourself, as far as what you're just saying, like rates and stuff, like I do, I do use the phrase like clinical service or clinical application Mm because they don't know, like they see a guitar and you know, you know, know, (laughs) I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but like when I'm going down the hallway or coming in the door of a, of a building where, you know, like a nursing home, it's inevitable. I mean, it's literally daily. Uh, somebody, it, it's a visitor in the building, it's a staff member, it doesn't matter. Somebody will say, oh, are you here to entertain? Perfect opportunity to mm-hmm. adver- advocate. Don't make it take so long, you know, have a little 30 second spiel because you'll be there all, you know, a long time. But um, that's perfect. Don't say yes. Do not say yes when they say, are you are you here to sing to the residents? Don't say yes. No, I'm not here to sing to them. It might look that way, but that's not really what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are you here to play for the residents? No, don't. And don't say that either. Like in my mind, I want to say no. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I don't really say no. I just say what I'm there for. Like, are you here to sing? 
And then I say, I'm actually here for music therapy. I'm the music therapist. And then I pull my business card out of my scrub pocket because you have pockets all over your scrubs. So have yeah. business cards in your, in your pocket, give them out. Yes. Um, give them out. You, and you hand them your card. Um, if they're, are you, you know, are, can you go sing to so-and-so and, you know, well, I'm offering music therapy in, you know, room A at 11 or whatever. Perfect opportunity, perfect opportunity. So don't mm -hmm. dismiss those. It's really easy to get annoyed and think, gosh, nobody understands what I'm doing. Or, you know, I'm never going to make sure that everybody recognizes me as a professional. Just one person at a time. Sometimes you never know who you're talking to. There's been many times when I'm in the elevator or the person that's holding the door for me starts a conversation like that. And I tell them and then I give them my card and then it turns out they're like the hospital administrator yes. or, you know, they're the they're the doctor at whatever, you know, healthcare next door. I mean, you don't know. You don't know. True. And you don't know, too. And even if it's not somebody with a fancy title, it might be that same person that puts the silverware on the lunch tray. Well, that person might need um, services for a loved one or maybe their spouse is in a position that they would have some say over, you know, could you come into this building or could you provide services here? You never know. So don't mm -hmm. don't dismiss any opportunity, big or small. Totally. They, yeah, you never come, know where that network goes. Mm, they come in lots of shapes and sizes. Yeah. So I'm curious what drew you to work with this community? Because as a music therapist, we could work, you know, anywhere we really know, wanted. Yeah. Um, so why, like what inspires you to work with this, this community of people? <sighs> and oh, I love seeing your face lighten up at that. But love that. <laughs> um, I can't, I never get tired of learning about who they are. And, yeah. and I, you know what, let me, and so I say that, and I mean that I never get tired of learning, like where, how they got to where they are. And I don't mean their diagnosis. I mean, like the person that they are, mm -hmm. like what was when, you know, I always, if it's appropriate, if it comes up, I'll say, when you were working, what was your job? Or when you were growing up, where was home or something mm -hmm. like that to get conversations going. Um, but I, I'm going to give you a quote. I didn't plan on saying this. I think I can remember it. Um, it's just a couple months ago. Um, this is off. It's, no, it's not off topic. It's totally related. I am on a substitute list at a local school of the arts. Okay. So I filled in one day for like two hours and I had a 10 year old boy and I was filling in for his piano lesson and he saw my name tag. I had come from, from work and I had all my scrubs and my name. And he, he asked me about music therapy and I said, do you know what music therapy is? And he said, he was a 10 year old boy. He said, actually, I think I do. I watched something on TV about it one time. And I think that it's when you have a person who has some mumbly jumbly in their head and you help them come back to who they really are. Because I saw one time on TV where somebody had trouble speaking, but they could match pitch. So the music therapist taught them to sing and then they learned to talk again. And it's you almost it. like, I know, I was like, oh my gosh, it's almost like opening a treasure chest. Like yeah. you, you can't, I cannot tell you how many times I walk into a nursing home and you see a person sitting in their wheelchair, maybe they're slumped over, maybe they're staring, they're not even blinking and it, they look lifeless. But if you choose the right, whatever the right thing is, the right music, the right 
speed of music, the right instrument, I don't, the right thing. If you choose the right thing for them, I mean, it's like you flip a switch Mm -hmm. and it's, it's amazing because I think that it matters all the way up until the last moment of life. Like there's not a time in, in life where you're used up. Like there's something of value and the quality of that person's life matters until the last moment. And music therapy can provide that. Yeah. Music therapy can provide quality of life when nothing else can. Mm -hmm. And when you improve the quality of that person's life, you don't just improve the quality of their life. You improve the quality of their family's life because they don't have to worry as much about what am I going to do to help this person? What am I going to do to provide something when I'm not there 24 hours a day? Not that the music therapist is there 24 hours a day either, but you can provide something that that can't be taken away, like and that, that maybe they can't get another way. It's non-pharmacological. It's non-invasive. It's non-threatening. It's personalized. Where else are you going to get that? Yeah. And then when you improve, there have been many times where it's it's helpful to this person, but then their roommate starts saying, oh, I love it so much. So then, then you've, this is an example, but say they needed to be relaxed and calmed. If you've accomplished that with music therapy, then chances are they don't need as many, um, extra doses of whatever their prescription is for when their anxiety is high. They're going to press the call light fewer times. The CNA is going to have to come to their room fewer times so she can attend to the person across the hall. Um, If their anxiety is down and their relaxation is up, then perhaps their, um, their breath rate is more regulated and their oxygen saturation is improved then their cognition is going to improve. Then they can make better choices. Oh, well, maybe I will eat half of my sandwich instead of only ice cream at lunch. Or maybe I maybe I will allow, yes, you can come in my room. I'll take the, the nutritional shake this morning. Or yes, I'll take that, that medicine. So then later on, I don't need five other ones. Like there's a ripple effect of, of things. And if they're compliant with care, like if they, if I just use the food, example like if they're if they're more calm and able to eat their lunch and make better decisions then they get better nutrition with better nutrition you you have a better rate of of wound healing i mean it goes on and on and on just from the music therapist improving their quality of life and i'm not sitting here to say that i'm a healer i'm not a healer i'm not going to do diagnostics i said that earlier but i can make a positive difference and it's not a guessing game there's so much research on music therapy i don't go in and pull a rabbit out of a hat and i don't pull a a card out of the stack and say okay this is it like it's personalized and that's a whole other topic that would take forever to talk about but it's evidence based which is which means research and experience 
Yeah. I think that's a really important reminder, um, that ripple effect and mm-hmm. its impact. Cause I know sometimes for myself, you know, I lose sight of that, especially I work on a lot of IEP teams. Mm-hmm. And so we're working on so many academic and like very finite goals that, yeah. that quality of life, that happiness, that yeah. ability to self-regulate and calm down, like that can be overlooked. And on the days when that is all that I can address, because my yeah. students, you know, that's, that's what they need. And that's all we get to. Sometimes I forget how impactful that is in that ripple yeah. effect. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for painting that visual and, and reminding everyone listening, um, how impactful that is and how important it is. Not that other things are not important, but yeah, that ripple, that ripple happens yeah. when we see it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that ripple effect, I mean, the more we can back to the staff at at like healthcare facilities, the more that staff understands that, the more value they see yeah. in music therapy. So that's it all, like it all, that's why I'm even mentioning it. It all goes with the topic of advocacy. I'm not, I might not necessarily be saying, hey, music therapy is awesome. You should have one in every building, but I'm saying it another way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they see the value, they see the outcome. Like that's a, yeah. that's a measurable outcome mm-hmm. that they can see that that music therapy provided yeah 100 percent lovely is there anything else you want to touch on before we move to the rapid fire i don't think so i've covered all the things i had on my list here lots of really good tangible stuff and good advice the scrubs one is the one that stuck out to me yeah because i have never been in a position really where i am needed to wear scrubs and I've never like not that you need to be given the invitation but I've yeah. never been invited to wear scrubs whenever I've been in a medical setting so to yeah. me it always felt like oh I can't go there but you're, you're saying the opposite. You, know, you're like, you I, go there I did my internship in a hospital okay so I did it um I had a few hours of of clinic work but the main part of it was in a hospital I was in medical intensive care post and pre-operative care um and I thought I initially thought, oh, I don't want to wear my regular clothes in the hospital. So I got scrubs and then I started realizing, wait a minute, this is like, there is something to be said for a uniform that Mm. like establishes, you know, who you are and and the kind of work you do. So yeah, it matters. And so now in my private practice, nobody invites me to wear scrubs. I just show up in my scrubs and um, they're embroidered with the logo of my business and and I pass out my business cards. So, and I have a wear name tag, just like you should, you know, in a setting like that. So yeah, that's a good one to do. It's not free, but it's easy to do. (laughs) Yes. But then you're not paying for, um, yeah, you don't have to go get your power suit and your, (laughs) yeah. Yes. I've ruined many or not. I have ruined many of outfits of mine has been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that comes comes with the territory, right? Yeah. Yep. Cool. This podcast is sponsored by the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, also known as MTPC where you can find a variety of CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. 
All of MTPC's pod courses are built on a listen, learn, apply model, where you start by listening to some assigned podcast episodes, then move into learning with the assistance of a workbook filled with resources for you to start your self-study towards whatever topics are most interesting, inspiring, and applicable to your practice. And then we finish with the apply section, which includes an office hour and a worksheet to determine how you are going to apply your learning to your personal life or professional practice. You can find all the Music Therapy Chronicles pod courses on our website, musictherapychronicles.com, and you can find the entire catalog of pod courses at MTPC's website, mtpodcastcollective.com. Make sure you also get on the MTPC newsletter for 10% off your first pod course purchase. All right, the first rapid fire question is coffee or tea? Ooh, coffee. <laughs> Decaf. I could see that. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Oh, night owl. Really? I've gotten all night owls lately. I can do both, honestly, but I feel like I get like really creative and things start like fitting into place and coming together at night. I think it's because I don't have other distractions of the day. Like in the daytime, I feel obligated to go to work, fix supper, clean the house, go to the store. But at night, I don't. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff's done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When I have a to-do list, it also yep. distracts me from all yep. the creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally. Something you'd tell your younger self. Did I tell my younger self? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say stick with piano earlier at an earlier age Hmm. um and learn as many instruments as you can yeah your oh we touched on this a little bit but i'm curious what your music therapy elevator speech is oh well i say that it's a clinical healthcare profession and that you could it is comparable to other therapies like physical therapy occupational therapy and speech therapy except that in music therapy the therapist uses music to help an individual accomplish their personalized goals and they usually fall into cognitive social emotional physical um, maybe spiritual or even end of life care and um that and I do emphasize that it's individualized um and then I give them my business card (laughs) yeah yeah um and I do also add to that the overall goal no matter who the patient is or no matter who the therapist is the overall goal is to regain maintain or improve some level of function whatever that person needs Mm. yeah especially important working with um geriatric Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I found that there's, there's a lot of maintenance goals yeah. with that population. Totally. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your favorite self-care practice? Being creative. I have a sad sewing business. <laughs> so I'm always, I'm a seamstress. I'm always busy with my hands. I love that. Love it. I've been sewing since I was like five years old. So like 40 years I've been sewing. <laughs> 
I love it. So do you do like furniture? Do you do clothes? Yeah. Do you do anything? I do a lot of upholstery. Um, I do alterations and repairs for people's clothing. Um, I will make anything. I mean, if somebody wants cushions for their couch or I've recovered couches, um, I've done a little bit of clothing. I don't do a ton, but I have. Um, anything, any curtains, stuffed animals, whatever. It, it's, it's usually like a um, people come to me if they need sewing. And so whatever they need, that's what I'll do. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I can do like the basics. I can mend my own clothes basically, yeah. you know, when, when it's needed. Yeah. Um, and that's a skill set I find not many people have. I know. So yeah. many people would benefit from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Adding value to my life. Um, spending time with my church and church family and like going to church with my family um, that always adds value so anytime I can worship God and I mean I can worship God when I'm not at church but all that together so yeah my faith and my spiritual practice is really important mm. especially being able to do it in community after yeah. the last couple yeah. of years whole different gives you a whole different feel yeah yeah for sure what is your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Ooh, gosh. Well, lately, I think it changes. So mm-hmm. like, there's like seasons of that. Um, lately in nursing homes, um, I've been, there's two, there's really two that, I know you said favorite, but there's two things that I've been doing okay. a lot. One of them is the song and everybody, a lot of people know it, Stand By Me. Um, so I end up using that song to facilitate some discussion and build community in the group because um, at this particular place where I've been going, they have um, been going through uh, remodeling and some some management changes, and that's really hard on the people who live there. And like they don't have control over that, and they they get nervous, like they feel un- uncertain, and they feel they're inconvenienced. And so I've been talking about. I've used that to talk, to lead a discussion. And and then I name, we talk about, you know, what it's like to live in a community setting, but then I start to name the things that I've seen them do for each other and it builds them up. So like I've said, you know, the song talks about stand by me, but I've seen y'all do that. I saw, I'm going to make up names. I saw Mary hold the door for Bob because he was um, using his walker and he came in and Mary held the door. And I said, Mary, how would he have gotten through without you? I was busy getting my guitar out and I saw you do that. Or then I'll say, you know, um, Linda, I noticed that you showed Frank that there was a seat on the other side of the room so he didn't have to walk as far. And I named stuff that they do and they just start smiling. And I'm like, look around, you all do that. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, I saw, um, you know, Tim, when when Rick came in, you smiled and waved like and I, so I, it just builds them up. I just use that to open up that conversation and they seem to really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one that I've been using with them also, um, we've been doing a lot of songwriting and we, um, I like to validate how my people feel. I don't come in and expect them to say, okay, it's going to be rainbows and lollipops because it's music therapy. Like yeah. one day I came in and everybody was upset because of the stuff I mentioned. Um, some, some staff changes remodeling like they had to move their rooms and everything and they were they were complaining and I was like okay we're gonna make a list and we wrote a blues we wrote a nursing home blues and 
I don't think they were expecting it. So like I've been doing that mm -hmm. a lot lately. Like you can say whatever you need to say in this group. As long as we're not like tearing each other down or saying like slandering somebody, you can say what you need to say and we're going to make it work for our group. And so I've just been using things like that to build people up and, and, and validate that. Yeah, we all have things that go on that we don't like that are problems. So, you know, we can express it together <laughs> with music. Yeah, I love that you hit like positive and negative one where like we're, we're grateful, we're noticing the small things, we're acknowledging them and like lifting each other up. And the other is we're not feeling so great and we need mm -hmm. to get that out. So, yep. you know, that's those are great examples of yeah. how to get both of those things addressed. Nice. Yeah, you. lovely. Thanks. All right. The last question is, how can the listeners find you and connect with you? Uh, my website is rejoicemusictherapy.com. And I also have a business Facebook page that's called Rejoice Music Therapy. So you can find me in both of those places. Cool. Uh, oh, you know what? You can, and my email is rejoicemusictherapy at gmail.com. So either, either of those. I will have that linked as well as the other resources awesome. you mentioned so that oh, all the you. listeners can find you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. I learned a lot from this conversation. So it was my privilege. It was my privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you learned a lot. I know I did. I don't even work with um, geriatric, end-of-life, residential um, nursing. Any, I don't even work with those types of communities right now. But hearing Meredith talk about her passion and the way she advocates and the way she approaches interacting with her residents and with the other staff involved uh, is really inspiring. And of course, I think that these tips and tricks can be applied to anywhere we work. So many great reminders about how the seemingly small things we do make such an impact. So Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Again, please consider leaving us a review and possibly sharing a screenshot of you listening to this episode. Uh, let us know what you think and tag me at Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. If you're looking for more Music Therapy Chronicles, you can check out our website, musictherapychronicles.com, for more episodes, blog posts, social media links, um, contact information, our self-care community, and our CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. Hop on our monthly newsletter if you haven't already and follow us on social media for just staying up to date on what's going on behind the scenes. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. They really help the podcast be more visible so more people like you who are looking for this type of content can find it. 
Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.